It's the real hip hop. The real hip hop. This is Sharon Shabazz, and you're listening to the RealHipHop.com podcast. In this episode, I talk to MC, producer, and educator Unlearn the World. Born and raised in New York City, Unlearn the World now resides in Oakland, California, but his music is inspired by every place in between. Unlearn's latest album is a 17 track release called The God That Sins. On this show, I talked to Unlearn the World about why he's an advocate for going to therapy, his role in the Hip Hop for Change organization, and his new album, The God That Sins. Okay, why'd you title the new album, The God That Sins? Um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the first and very simple reason is the very first song I worked on for this album is the intro song, Walk on Fire. And in the first line, I say, talking to the God that sins within me is my new religion. And I just thought that was a cold line, right? So it kind of set the tone and the pace for the entire project. Um, but on the larger scale, the God that sins is humanity. It's mankind. It's us. Um, you know, I, I, I fall a lot into God consciousness. I've, I've studied 5% nation, nation of Islam. So I'm very aligned with that kind of thinking, uh, that paired with new age and metaphysics, all talking about like your higher power is ultimately yourself. But what I'm trying to speak to in this, in this album, the God that sins is human beings and our capacity to be great just as much as we have the capacity to be completely foul and messed up and flawed and all of these things. And in that, and in that power dynamic, we can create amazing things just as much as we can destroy things. So I try to parallel that concept into my struggle as a, just a human being, as somebody who is actively trying to improve myself, improve the community. Um, I have that sense of, of responsibility for myself, but often you're held back by your own flaws and your own shortcomings and really just kind of embracing that and recognizing that and really having mercy for yourself. But showing people how I chronicle that struggle within me is really just showing you the God that sins and, and, and all of its kind of flaws and, and, and all of those things. So that's, that's the, you know, the concept overall. One thing that stood out to me was how versatile this album is you don't hear that a lot in modern hip hop albums. Why is it important for you to give people many different concepts and sounds? Um, one is for me, it's, it's creating a cohesive experience that embodies all of what I have to say. I spent a good amount of years in my career as an MC, or if you want to call it a career, but just as an MC, I was very politically charged very early on in my career. Um, a name like Unlearn the World kind of lends itself to that, right? Like you're not, you, you have to have substance in your lyrics to be called unlearned. So a lot of it was very politically and socially charged, but I, I started recognizing that in that I wasn't humanizing myself. It was, you know, showcasing lyrical ability and doing the lyrical miracle thing and talking about politics and revolution, but there's no human thing that people can really connect to. 
So your music, as much as people enjoy the lyricism of it and, and the social commentary, they can't connect to you as a person. And I think that we're in a landscape now sonically or just in terms of just music and the way people consume it is that you're not just buying into music, you're buying into a lifestyle. You're buying into an algorithm. So it's important to show this human aspect of yourself as an artist for people to connect and for people to really see like, okay, this is somebody I could relate to. You know, I, I often tell other artists, your fans either want to be you or they are you. In doing that, I have so many different, not necessarily personalities, but things that I'm into just as much as I love boom bap, East Coast rap. I love things that are happening down South. I'm a student of the golden era of hip hop, which includes Outkast and what they brought to the table, which includes other artists and how they sound sonically different. I'm an East Coast artist based in the West Coast. So that influences a lot of my uh, uh, sonic choices and creative choices. Um, so I wanted to really just show that versatility in every record I do. And I, it's kind of a, a delicate dance because you want to show versatility as an artist and explore your own artistry and creativity without isolating your fan base who may be particularly um, particularly interested or love the, the, a certain lane that you're in. Like, you know what I'm saying? If you're in a Griselda type bag or in a, like a boom bap type bag, maybe they just love that. Maybe they don't really love the double time rap that you're trying to do. Maybe they don't really love the auto tune, right? But if you kind of play around with these ideas, really understanding who your fan base is and what you're, what they're willing to listen to from you and how you can deliver it to them, and give off that versatility without isolating them. I think you're in a, in a good space. So I really just wanted to show that. Um, I wanted to have these varying records and more, than, more particularly, I wanted to keep the ear engaged. You know what I'm saying? This is a very long listen in, in today's standards. It's a little bit over an hour. It's 17 records. Um, it's important to make sure that each record has a personality of its own so that people can stay engaged. If I had record two and three sounding like record three and four, by the fifth record, you're already kind of tired of what it is. So, you know, we're just kind of recognizing how voices complement one another, how the beats complement your voice and, you know, having those palate cleansers, whether it's a female vocal in there or a longer intro or a sound clip or a artist feature. These are things that keep the ear engaged. And as a producer, not only do I rap, but I made a lot of the beats on the, on the album. It's important for me to have those kind of uh, versatile moments to keep the artist, to keep the listener engaged and kind of willing to go through this experience with me. My favorite song on the album is probably The Hate You Give. Mm. Tell me what inspired that song. Don't ever call me a rapper cause rappers be getting killed. Buried in they and mirrors, but nothing's left in they will. And yeah, you see them shine, but they jewelry isn't real. The label is still your money, then give you liquor and pills. When the feds kick in the door and secret indictments are sealed. And you face it 20 years, are you proud that you didn't squeal? They tell me to chill. You could be anything you wanna be. I had a dream and God came to me in the form of me. In the land of capitalism and mass shootings. As a kid in class, I would listen to rap music. Now they say me, but still they can't kill me like Rasputin. Now I'm moving with the powers of an X-Man mutant. Writing bars, cooking beats, nights when I couldn't sleep, days when I couldn't eat. Fat boy, crooked teeth, made it out the crooked streets. Now I'm taking back the innocence that was took from me. See, mama, look at me. Make it hard for us to live. Can't forget what you did. Who's gonna 
Um, I think it was the death of PNB Rock, to be honest with you. I'm not, you know, I, I'm familiar with him, um, but I wasn't, you know, like a fan. I didn't listen to him actively. Uh, but the death of him really like struck a chord with me because it's aligned with a lot of the deaths that we've been seeing in hip hop, right? Whether it's King Vaughn or Pop Smoke, it's this whole, you know, clout chase culture that we exist in that is causing our stars, our artists, our emerging acts to be to be put in jeopardy, to either be put in jail or to be killed. And I wanted to speak to that. I wanted to speak how to how our culture in many cases, or at least the mainstream aspect of it is enabling this behavior. It's enabling and perpetuating these stereotypes. So now everything is for clout. Everything is ops. Everything is kind of like looking for something, right? And it really is rooted in our sense of insecurity within ourselves where we can't even see ourselves reflected in the success of other young Black men. We see it as a, as a, almost an indictment against our, our, ourselves and our character. So when you see somebody like a PNB Rock in uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles with jewelry on, if that does something to you, like it threatens your existence to the point where you want to kill that man or rob him just to kind of knock him down a peg to, to cover up your own insecurities, I wanted to speak to that. I think we're having a crisis of conscience in hip hop culture in general. Uh, people like D1 and, and other DJs out there really making it a point to say, hey, we need to hold ourselves accountable and hold ourselves to task for the, the messages we are perpetuating in this music. You know what I'm saying? And this is not to shy away from anybody's authentic experience. If you was in the streets and you want to reflect on that, then that's your prerogative to do so. And I think there are ways to do that without amplifying the 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 animus and the the anger that a lot of people have who are really starving in these streets. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no more PPP loans. Like the whole era of COVID and trying to get free money is over. So if you look around in urban communities all over the country, we see like in the Bay Area, we have car robberies. We have a lot of theft of tourists and things of that nature. People are literally just going into high-end stores and stealing whatever they can. It's rough out here for a lot of people. And I think we kind of poke the bear when we're out here on some, I, I, I'm flossing and I'm, I'm shitting on you, whatever, whatever. I think that that creates this, this animus that then encourages people to act on it and the music fuels it. So I wanted to speak to kind of sarcastically what the, the end result of that is, right? Which is why I'd say, don't ever call me a rapper because rappers be getting killed. I don't want to be known as a rapper, right? Whenever we see artists you know, die, the first thing that the news reports is rapper so-and-so was killed. Rapper so to me, rapper is almost synonymous with the N-word when the media uses it. So I don't want to be called a rapper when I'm an artist, number one, when there is so much, so much more societal and cultural impact that I can make as a public figure or something other than a quote-unquote rapper, right? Um, and really what, what's, what's happening with rappers, you know, you're, you're dying for jewelry that may not even be real. <laughs> you're, you're, you're perpetuating stereotypes that are going to only put you in jail. And, and I mean, we're looking at what was going on with Young Thug and YSL and you're, you're, we're falling into these booby traps that are being set up for us in one way or another. 
And when you really understand the social engineering dynamic of everything that goes on in the entertainment industry, how it relates to the prison industrial complex, how it relates to, uh, you know, young black men being criminalized, then you're starting to see the agenda at play. And I don't want to get conspiratorial, but there is an agenda there. And, and we'd be remiss not to consider that. So I wanted to speak to, you know, that, that adage that Tupac had as, as thug life, the hate you give um, literally uh, little infants fucks everyone, right? Like that was his whole, I don't know if we can curse on your platform, but that, you know, I just wanted to kind of speak to that, right? So I wanted to really just amplify that, the hate that we've received as a people, whether it's white supremacy, oppression, racism has created these dynamics, right? If you look at what's going on in, in Palestine, in the Middle East, the hate that is being spewed on both sides is creating a dynamic that is creating a genocide, right? So we've been told, whether it was Tupac lyrics or other things that, yo, we, we need to really check on ourselves and see the end result of this this these inferiority complexes that we're confronting, these collective emotional needs that have not been met, whether you're on, on the side of Black liberation, Latino culture, whatever the case is, we have to deal with not only the hatred given to us, but our own self-hatred. So I wanted to kind of reflect on that. I got my brother, Steph Reed, who I've known my entire life to be on the record, um, to really give that like sorrow-filled voice and, and to echo and amplify the, the, the sense of uh, uh, sadness and rage that can be reflected in the lives that we're seeing cut short and incarcerated. So I appreciate that you love that record because it was one of those records that I, I, for me is a standout record. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you have a song called God's Favorite with Royce the Five Nine and the late great Sean Price. Yes. <laughs> How are you able to get a Sean P verse? Yeah, um, you know, I, I happen to know a lot of people in the boot camp click like community, right? Uh, shout out to Rusty Jooks, who's a good uh, homie of mine, who I've known since I was 16 years old. He's Sean Price's protege. He's very tight with uh, his wife, Bernadette. Um, I know other people who know the wife, Bernadette. So it just really came like when I heard the beat and I was putting together the album, it, it came up as a thought. And I was like, I wonder if I could get a Sean Price verse. Like, I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure we can. And I, I got it. Like, I was able to get it and, and, and find it. And it wasn't it wasn't as like cut and dry as just getting a verse. I wanted a verse, but I also wanted his personality to show. So even before he raps, you just hear him do like an intro, right? Like he's talking his talk. Um, and I wanted that. Anytime I collaborate with an artist, for the most part, I want them to really show who their personality is. And as a fan of Sean Price, I've been a fan of Sean Price since I was 14 years old. And I used to want to rap like him. I used to want to rap like Ruck and Rock and Help the Skelter. I used to want to rap like Brooklyn rappers. I'm from Uptown. So just that that sense of admiration, I wanted to show that. I knew it was going to be a standout moment on the record because we haven't heard a, a, a new Sean Price verse in a while. You know what I'm saying? So um, just paying homage to the, the, the cloth that I'm cut from was important for me, right? And if I'm referring to myself as God in this album, right? God's favorites are Royce the Five Nine and Sean Price. Like Royce the Five Nine is another one of my heroes. I used to go to Detroit a lot, and I used to go into studios where he used to work out of, and I used to like look at his raps. He would leave his raps <laughs> on the music stand in the, in the booth, 
and I would look at the raps like, yo, this is my favorite rapper's literal handwriting being written on a verse that he may have recorded in the same space. So like these things are never lost on me. These kind of stories that I have in proximity to my heroes in the culture are never lost on me. And I wanted to pay homage to one of these artists that I've loved and revered who I don't think gets enough credit in terms of who they are as a personality, as a contributor to this culture and as a lyricist. The song Loyalty and Lawyer Fees has a line where you say, black kids think it's white just to live a normal life. What do you think can be done to expose more black children to lives that are just normal? You know, ain't nobody ever tell you how hard it's gonna be. Um, I think it's important for us to, it. you know, there's a commercial that comes on out here. I don't know if it comes on out there, but it's not, safety is not just the absence of danger. It's the presence of well-being. Um, and that's important. I think we need to start normalizing in POC communities, particularly with our young people, the idea of wellness, right? What it is to have healthy habits, exercise, meditation, mindful breathing, right? I go into the, uh, juvenile detention centers out here in, in schools and I, I teach, um, part of what I teach is mindfulness, is breathing. And I explained to these kids, you'd be very surprised how, how taking a deep breath could save your life in terms of when you are feeling dysregulated and when your emotions are being ramped up, you can take a breath and that may change your entire perspective. So normalizing this kind of behavior pattern, normalizing like being in touch with your emotions, normalizing healthy communication patterns, things of that nature, uh, meditation, yoga, exercise, right? A lot of the time, some of these things you'll tell to young kids, you'll tell the even kids, people your age and like, oh, that's white people shit. <laughs> they always say like, oh, that's white people shit. We don't do that. We don't, you know what I'm saying? In my hood, we do this. In my family, we do this, right? Oh yeah, we, you know, I, I wouldn't put my kids on timeout. We're just going to beat them. 
we've seen that that doesn't help, right? All it does is create a resentment and an anger in a child that doesn't go anywhere or finds other places to go because they can't express it back to you at an at a older age. Um, and I, you know, when you introduce these concepts in many communities, that's the response that you get, that this is white people stuff. And because in many communities, we still have an anti-white feeling, which is right. I mean, it's, it's grounded in racism and oppression and everything that white people have done to the black community or other communities of color. There's a righteous anger there. But I think that righteous anger spills over into, I don't want to do anything that white people do. And what we lack to what we forget or what we what we don't understand is a lot of the things that they are now into ultimately come from people of color, right? Yoga and meditation is an Eastern Asian practice, right? As well as an African practice. This is not something that is European or Eurocentric. It's been adopted by them because they recognize the value of it. And don't let anybody mistake that white people collectively historically have recognized the value of black and Asian or POC spirituality, POC culture, collective responsibility, and they've adopted it for themselves. And now you see where they're thriving in certain pockets of society and they limit our access to our own culture. And they're doing the same with hip hop, right? Which originally comes to us in the seventies as a means to like literally liberate us from our own demise. Right, young kids in the Bronx was creating safe and brave spaces for them to exp freely express themselves. Here we are, fast forward 50 years later, and we're still having this conversation about the co optation of hip hop culture. So, this is no different than the spirituality that they took from us. This is no different than the other wellness practices that were taken from African people, from Black people, from Asian people, and how it's benefited them. And we've been left in ignorance of our own abilities. So, it's important for us to like, we just kind of flip that switch, but you have to first call it out for what it is, right? So for me, it's like, yeah, black kids think it's white just to live a normal life, just to normalize wellness becomes this thing that we're adverse to and we got to switch that. On the song, Sun Sky, you touch on trauma in your life and having breakthroughs through therapy. More and more people in hip hop are being open about going to therapy. How did therapy help you and do you recommend it to others? Inside your mind that your body miss you Let me introduce you to little Marlin with mommy issues One day you're sitting happy and it finally hits you You've been traumatized for years and now hear the tears and the snotty tissues Breakthroughs and therapy, someone finally gets you God has blessed you with the gift that's divine and special This is why the devil tries to trick you late night They try to put you in the box, they want to roddy rich you huh. But alas, I'm just a Scorpio Playing the game of life in story mode when the myth is all they told, that's all we know. They need a lie detector test like the Maury show. You are not the father, I know my good and my evil. Made it out to Hollywood and all I saw was homeless people. Damn, don't let the glitter and the gold deceive you. I'd rather be a Rolling Stone or Beatle. If my sons looked me in my eyes and said they wanted the sky, I would put a ladder on the roof and I'd learn how to fly just to give it to them. Uh, just to give it to them. 
And if my sons looked me in my eyes and said they wanted the sky, I would put a ladder on my roof and I'd learn how to fly just to give it to them. Swear to God, just to give it to them. I 100% recommend therapy and mental health um, practices to everyone. As to whether or not talk therapy will help you, that's based on the individuals on a case by case basis. I'm not gonna say here like it's the silver bullet to all of our trials and triggers and all of that, but I'll just speak on what made me want to go to therapy. And it really came down to the pandemic and being in isolation for as long as we were in, um, that does funny things to the brain, but more particularly it creates an opportunity for you to really sit with yourself and think about the things that you want out of life. But it was a conversation with my brother. Um, and I hope he doesn't mind me telling this story, but it was a conversation where he was having like a manic episode almost. And he was revealing things, feelings to me that were very, I, I didn't, not necessarily concerning, but it was just like, wow, he's been holding this. This is a lot of like, I'm, I'm gonna hold space for my brother because this is pain that he's been holding. And in my conversation with him, I asked him, have you ever spoken to anybody about this? Have you ever spoken to like a professional who can give you these tools? And as I'm saying it, the, the, the thought in my brain is, if he needs therapy, you need therapy because he, he's your brother and y'all live together. It's not like he's just in a foreign land. If he needs it, you need it. And literally the next day I went to call and get some services and it wasn't because I was having an episode or I was ramped up, but it was an opportunity for really, for me to say, I really need to sit with who I am and what my roadblocks are and kind of discover how to find healthier coping mechanisms, healthier ways of communicating and where my trauma and my pain are showing up in my life that are preventing me from having the life that I want. And I think that we as people of color or artists in general, we get in our own way. We self-sabotage. We are very prone to self-destructive behavior patterns and impulses. And a lot of this can be cleared up by having a mental health intervention or some sort of mental health practice that's going to help you. For me, because I get paid to talk for a living, talk therapy has been very helpful for me. And it's not just talking out whatever my problems are in the day. It's going through the deep work of where did these problems come from the beginning, starting with childhood or something that may have happened in my 20s or really unpacking it and doing the hard labor of recognizing these, these behavior traits and where they stem from and how to kind of process that pain, that hurt, that anger or whatever. Um, so I recommend people find a therapy or therapeutic practice that works for them. Maybe it might be just writing raps and you were able to kind of get that off and feel better about yourself. But I think for the most part, somebody, you should look for a professional who can help you in the way that you want to be helped to kind of overcome that. And we've seen that a lot of artists who are becoming successful are starting to enter therapy because they're recognizing that there are behavior patterns they have that are literally holding them back from the next phase of their career. And I've been telling a lot of my students and a lot of people I work with, your artistic development is very much parallel with your self-discovery, your journey in terms of who you are and learning who you are. You're only going to become the artist that you want to be if you start recognizing the person that you are and the person that you need to be. Wow. That's dope, man. Um, tell me about Hip Hop for Change and your role in helping to educate people. Yeah. So 
Hip Hop for Change is a nonprofit organization based out of Oakland, California. We've been around 10 years. I've been education director for the last six years, and now I'm acting executive director, so I got more responsibility now. But I've been doing hip hop education work for the past 10 years. I left my nine to five job doing like insurance, and I wanted to become a teaching artist. So I was actively either volunteering or getting paid to go into schools, teach kids beat making, teach kids songwriting. Some of it was done as a mental health intervention so we could help them heal from trauma. Um, but that allowed me to then get tapped as the education director for this nonprofit. And gave me the amazing opportunity of creating a curriculum that grounds young people in the history and the culture of hip hop and all the values that come with that, which I think as much as young people now are engaged with the culture, it lacks the historical context. And I think it's the historical context that changes everything. When a young person who is actively rapping or engaged in hip hop culture is informed by the history of a and how it got started and what the principles and the elements are. It's not to like harken back to the old school, it's just to give them game that then helps them navigate how to engage in the culture, how to write a song, not just for your own healing and empowerment, but for a sense of collective responsibility based on these principles that we laid out, peace, love, unity, having fun. I don't think you're sliding on ops in your records if you recognize that hip hop started to quell gang violence. <laughs> Right. If you recognize that the house parties in the Bronx were there to have peace treaties between rival gangs and that concept is introduced to young kids who are just on the verge of either entering in the gang or dealing with the environment that is conducive to gang war or violence or whatever the case is. I think you change the way you rap. I think you change the way you dance and do graffiti and engage in the culture. So. That's been our mission for the, since, since we've been around as an organization is to go into schools and really teach kids the, the true history of hip hop, but also to empower our community through uh, progressive hip hop events that are tied to a social justice theme um, by vertically integrating all the means of production so young kids don't have to be a predator, uh, you know, be part of a predatory music industry that exploits them. Right. Let's teach you how to be an independent artist and gain your own audience. Let's give you the resources and tools. You want to record? Here's a studio for you. You want to shoot music videos and do photo shoots? We have a film space for you to do that. We have community-based local artist mentors who can give you that game, who aren't going to be gatekeepers and keep information from you or try to use you to get themselves on. Right. We're coming with it with this sense of collective and social responsibility to breed the next wave of hip hop creators. We just celebrated 50 years. My, my thoughts have been, where are we going in the next 50 years? It can't just be beats and rhymes. It has to be making inroads towards institutions and systems that have historically oppressed us. What does hip hop look like when it makes inroads into politics? when it makes inroads into education, when it makes inroads into business. Like we're starting to see glimpses of that. If you look at what Jay-Z is doing in certain respects, if you're looking at what some other artists are doing in terms of building schools or talking about education, we're seeing glimpses of that. But I think that hip hop education work is now a movement that with enough eyes on it, the right eyes and the, and the will of our own people can be, um, it can change the paradigm of every community that we come from. Right. We can't be a billion dollar industry and still complain about the ghettos and the hoods that most of our artists are coming from. And those are still hoods and they're still ghettos. How are we improving them? I think we need more than just backpack giveaways and turkey giveaways on holidays. 
We need something that's going to be sustainable. And I think that Hip Hop for Change as an organization is in a very unique position of creating or just being on the forefront of this movement by providing artists and artist educators those resources and that 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 training. Okay. Who is the God that sins album made for? Uh, um, it's made for it. it I, it's cliche to say it's made for everybody. I made it for me. I made it to explore my own consciousness. I made it for my kids. If there's one album that can get them a sense of who their dad was without them having been exposed to it themselves, I think it would be this album. Um, aside from my previous album, but this album particularly, I made it for the people who are on the verge of their own greatness and stepping into that, but also are still riddled with and blinded by the shame they may feel in themselves for what they've done in their life or questioning their own abilities, like they're not good enough, right? Like it, it, it's, we're not requiring you to be a perfect human being. Right. I'd much rather be a God that sins than a, a human being who claims to be perfect. Right. And I think that that's that's an important thing to recognize, because in that sentence, the God that sins, not only are you recognizing your own inherent divinity. Right. As a creator, because if we create, then we're able to have this godlike power, regardless whether it's a song or a car you're creating. So. Tapping in and acknowledging your divinity, but also recognizing and being honest with your flaws as a room for improvement, as a room and an opportunity for you to really step into your higher self. Dope, man. All right. Unlearn the world. Thank you for joining The Real Hip Hop and uh, good luck with the album, bro. Thank you very much for having me. Right. No doubt. <laughs> Appreciate you. Shout out to the Shah. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Have a good one. You too. The real hip hop MCM and DJing from your own mind, you know. I just right now we should start the show.